0: And welcome again to the Employment Law Show. You want to reach out to Leor uh, and the crew when uh, when we're not on air. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you haven't used it yet, we'll get into it here in just a little bit. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. do we tell you what this thing can do? It's, it's truly, truly remarkable. We'll get to that though in just uh, in just a bit. You must do something about it. When dot dot dot. That is our topic for today. This is stuff you'll want to know and the knowledge you want every day when you're at your, your workplace. So stick around for that. First though, we always start with something that's going on. Uh, a couple of cases that have, you've been working on, or a week that was. What do you got going on?
1: Sure. Uh, great uh, to be back here again, and, and great to have this opportunity. I, I, I take this opportunity very seriously to talk to people, to inform them about employment law, to inform them about what they can do if they're facing a workplace issue. It's a privilege. I, I don't take that lightly at all. So if you're uh they're listening and you're you're maybe didn't have the best week maybe kind of you left uh, work friday with a bad taste in your mouth because something happened or you found that something's about to happen well stay tuned chances are we may cover it or something very similar on the show and hopefully give you some guidance about what to do and if we don't cover it, if we don't touch on this, not a problem. I promise you there's still a solution, probably an easy solution. So give me a call or send me an email. We'll give you my contact information throughout the show so we can have a private discussion about your matter. Please, please don't be bashful and, and take advantage of the fact that uh, the law protects you. And, and, but the law can't do anything for you unless you give it that opportunity by calling me, by reaching out to me, you give it that opportunity. You're standing up for your rights. The rights are quite good. So, uh, so take advantage. But week there was a couple of situations that came across my desk, uh, very recently. Uh, first, uh, situation I'll talk to you about, John. This is, uh, this was, uh, something I've talked before on the show uh, often. And I, I It happened in real life very recently. I had a a gentleman that worked for a large retailer. He'd worked there for about four years first. And then one day, literally out of the blue, I think it was on a Friday, his employer came to him and said, "Uh, we want you, and by the way, everyone else, it's not just you, to sign uh, new employment agreements. And you know we just want everyone to to kind of have the same agreements. You know some some people have them, some people don't. We want consistency. We want everyone to sign new employment agreements, and to show you uh, that we're uh, we're good people and we're doing this in good faith, we're gonna give every, each one of you one thousand dollars signing bonuses. Hmm. Well, guess what? This person and everyone else signed it probably the same day. It's a couple of people took till the Monday, but everyone signed it. Never thought a- anything about it, and. I asked this person later on, "Why did you sign it?" Said, "Well, I looked at the terms. It was this, my job was the same, my pay was the same, uh, my hours were the same. So, and, and I'm getting a thousand bucks. Why am I right. not going to sign this? I'd be a fool not to." Well, fast forward three years later, uh, very recently, he's let go. Uh, restructuring, nothing wrong that he did, and he's let go. And I, he's now a seven-year employee, and the company says we're going to be generous. We're going to give you ten weeks' pay uh, after seven years. He contacts me because he knows uh, now better and he wants to know his MIO 10 weeks. Well, this person would have been owed probably about 10 months' pay. But here's the thing, and here's uh, where uh, what he did three years ago is going to haunt him. That employment agreement, that employment agreement that he thought was perfectly appropriate that he signed three years ago limited his termination entitlements. There was a term there limiting his future severance. And in fact, it limited him so much that now i cannot help him now i cannot help him get anything more than the 10 weeks they've offered him even though otherwise he would have been owed about 10 months pay so that a thousand dollars that he got that he was so happy about ended up costing him about forty thousand dollars and three years later huge situation a huge problem and and he didn't know any better And, and by the way colleagues. He had uh, at least a dozen colleagues that were in the same situation. At some point, they're going to be in that position. Think about how much money collectively they've lost, money that they would otherwise be owed uh, directly. So, so important. Please, please don't let that happen to you. Take a, take advantage of the fact that, that other people have had to pay the price, so you should now know better. If, in fact, you've been offered a new employment agreement, be weary. There's a reason for that, and it's not because it's consistency or we want everyone to have the same document. It's not that. It's because there are terms in there limiting your entitlements that are going to cost you a lot of money. Please, please, please do not let that happen to you.
0: Hey, you want to reach out? It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. What else uh, you got going on, pal?
1: So, you know, we, we talked about uh, not signing employment agreements, but of course, I'll keep coming back to this for as long as I have a microphone in front of me, which is not to sign off on that severance letter. And then this particular person, the only reason he didn't sign off is because his wife told him not to. His wife told him to call me. And, and here's the the facts here. This guy had worked for the same employer for 15 years, 15 years, long time. He does a Reasonably senior role. And when he was let go, he was offered 10 months pay, 10 months. And, and he immediately thought, it's, it's pretty good. I thought I was gonna get two weeks per year of service. This is a lot more than that, uh, and he thought it's fine. His wife said, no, no, you gotta call an employment lawyer. He ended up calling me. He probably thought he's just appeasing his wife, but here's the thing. He was in fact owed about 18 months pay because he was there for 15 years. He was uh, he was older in, in his early 50s, and he was in the senior position. 18 months pay, that's another eight months pay. For him, that was another $85,000, I believe. This is a package that he thought it was fine. Thank God he listened to his wife. And I almost assure you, by the time that I'm back on this, in the this studio to do my next show, this case would have already resolved. I would have given him or gotten him what he's owed. Please take advantage of that. Please take that as a lesson. Call me if you lost your job. Go to a severancepaycalculator.com if you want to as well to find out how much you're owed. Please don't assume without advice that you've received enough severance.
0: We'll uh, take a short break and get to things you must do when, dot, dot, dot. This is interesting stuff as well. We'll give you all the advice and where to go in uh, in that regard after we take that short break. one 821 5900 to reach out through email, which we'll do later on. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show continues here. Just getting, uh, just getting rolling. 1-855-821-5900, help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca. Is the way to reach out. I love the notes you sent me. You sent me this uh, this topic liner that is, you must do something about it when.
1: I love that. <laughs> it, it is a, a, an important because it's not every necessarily every workplace situation that you should you know kind of stand up and, and do something about it. I, there are a few big ones that if you don't do something about it, you will be giving up your rights. And and a few big ones where the law is actually quite good in protecting the employee. So I want I, I picked some of the big issues that may come up in the workplace that you may face. And then when you face them, you got to stand up, you got to do something. So I'll help you flag those issues. And of course, tell you what to do in those uh, circumstances.
0: Let's get uh, get right into them. This one here, uh, you must do something when, despite your good performance, your employer puts you on a performance improvement plan. That's a little irritating.
1: Well, yeah, no question. And listen, if your performance is bad and they put you on a performance improvement plan, then, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You, you, all you could do at that point is do your best to improve your performance. But if you think you're, or you believe or you know your performance is fine and you're still put on a performance improvement plan – Well, maybe someone there on the employer side is being unreasonable or maybe someone there is trying to come up with a reason to let you go. Well, no, you cannot just sit back and take it and ignore it and hope for the best. That never works. This is a situation where you have to do something about it. And the best thing to do and our regular listeners know because I've talked about this before is you got to tell them why it's inappropriate you got to tell them why your performance was actually fine. Maybe, maybe there's things they don't know. Maybe there's information that they're missing. Or maybe they're, they're uh, evaluating your performance in an inappropriate way. Whatever it is, you have to say so. You have to put that in writing. You have to make sure that they know that you're not just accepting, that you're not just agreeing if you do that then you're preserving your rights. You're going to make it much more difficult for the company to let you go. You're going to make it that much more difficult for the company to say that they have cause to let you go. You have to stand up for your rights. Silence is the same as saying, I agree. You may as well send them a note saying, I agree, if you're just going to be quiet about it. No, I don't suggest you be rude. I don't suggest you be aggressive. Put your thoughts in a professional email. works perfectly. And if you're not sure how to do that, reach out to me and I can talk you through it but do something about an unjustified performance improvement plan.
0: Talking about situations where you must do something about it, here's another one. Your employer starts taking away responsibilities or even changing your hours of
1: work, right? So sometimes the changes can be quite minimal. You know, we, we took away, you have 10 responsibilities, we took one, and and or maybe we made this tiny little change to your compensation, and you may think, yeah, you know, that's fine. The problem with that is even with a small change in some situations, it's it may be illegal. It may be something that the company is not allowed to do. It could lead to a constructive dismissal. But more importantly, if you let a company make a small change, by doing that, you may have given them the right to make a big change in the future. So what you do want to do is, is if you're not going to treat that as a constructive dismissal, at least send a note to your employer telling them, just so you know, I'm going to continue working, but... To be clear, by accepting this, I am not agreeing to any future changes. Put that in writing. In, in, in an email works beautifully. I'm not accepting future changes. You don't want it to, to be uh, understood that just because you agree to this one change, you've agreed to more changes in the future. Again, silence here doesn't help you. Silence is the same as opening the door and telling your employer, yeah, that's fine, no worries, do it again if you want to don't let that happen. If there's a change, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal. You can call me about that. But even if that's not what you want to do, make sure that the employer knows that you're not agreeing to future changes.
0: What if someone's listening saying, yeah, you know what? They've taken away one or two of my responsibilities, but they didn't. They didn't touch my pay this is a beautiful thing why should i rock the boat
1: well you know in some situations if you're doing less work and getting paid the same hey that may not be a bad thing let me know if they're hiring i may apply myself (laughs) but in other situations if your job is changing and now it's it's maybe a lesser job it's a a demotion even if the pay is the same it's not as prestigious or it's going to look bad on a resume that is something that the employer may not be able to do. It could be a constructive dismissal, even if the pay stays the same. You could be demoted even though you make the same amount of money. You can be constructively dismissed if you're making the same amount of money. So again, it's important not to set that precedent. It's important not to just do, to accept it without thinking about the future. If Again, if you're not sure if it's a constructive dismissal, if you're not sure whether you should do something about it, Take advantage of me being happy and willing to talk to you. Call me, email me, and let's have that discussion.
0: We'll get this one in before we uh, take a short break, and that is the things you must do something about and when. After a few years on the job, everything's going smoothly, and oh, look at that. Your employer slides a new employment agreement across the desk on you.
1: (laughs) Yes. I I wanted to talk about this again. We talked about this at the top of the show on the week that was always, always, always be concerned. Always. Always. When you're already working and now your employer slides that agreement across the desk, wants you to sign a new agreement. Why? Why would they do that? Well, no, they're not doing that because they like to see words on a piece of paper. They're doing that because there are terms there that are better for the company. Therefore, they're worse for you. So be concerned. So first of all, understand what they want you to sign. Don't just look at the salary. Salary probably is going to be the same. Don't just look at the number of weeks vacation. That's probably not going to change either. Is there something that limits your future severance? Is there something in that agreement that gives the company the power to change your job, to change your compensation, to change your hours of work or work location? Is there something in there that allows the company to lay you off temporarily? Look for those things. And if there's anything there that's problematic, you are better off to say, no, thank you. I am not signing this agreement. If you sign it, you'll find out later on that, that, that you've made a mistake, it's gonna cost you. You cannot be punished or disciplined for refusing to sign an employment agreement. If you're not sure what it means, call me, but the general rule is you should not sign an employment agreement after you've already started working.
0: Important stuff here. We'll get to lots more. We're talking about times you must do something about it in the workplace. We'll cover more of these talking points and uh, get to some emails as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the phone number to reach out when we're not doing the show, 1-855-821-5900. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show continues here to reach out, get a hold of Lior and his and his crew as well, 1-855-821-5900. Keep that uh, phone number on you, the email address, which we'll get to later on in the show, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you've not touched it yet, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca does all kinds of things. We'll expand on that discussion here in just a little bit. But back to this one. The talk for today is things you must do something about uh, when they happen. next one up is this. You've 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 asked your employer to investigate sexual harassment by a coworker in your uh, in your workplace, but look at that. Nothing's been done about
1: it. I cannot tell you how many uh, variations on this issue I, I come across when people call or email. Uh, you know, I, I have workplace harassment. I'm being mistreated. I've, I've tried to talk to someone, nothing's happened, they've ignored it or, they, or either ignored it or haven't done something significant about it. What do I do? Well, first thing you need to do is, is actually do something. I, I, the first thing you do with any workplace harassment is actually try to give the company the ability to fix it the, or give them the opportunity to fix it. So it's the right thing to do to talk to the company, to tell them what's happening. If there's a form they want you to fill out, like a formal harassment complaint form, fill it out, please do that. But if you've tried and nothing is done, well, that's not the end of the analysis. That doesn't mean that, oh, I've tried too bad. I have to guess continue suffering. That's a terrible thing to do. You will eventually, things won't get better, and eventually you'll have to go off on a disability leave for stress or for anxiety. No, don't let that happen. You and your family deserve better than that. So... What do you do? Well, then we have to consider constructive dismissal. We have to decide at that point, is it better off to continue working in this harassment environment or am I better off leaving with severance and hopefully moving on to a place where they'll treat me better? In most cases, the answer is going to be very obvious. Yes, you don't, have, you don't want to suffer. You want to go somewhere where they'll treat you properly. Let's move on with severance. So you reach out to me at that point. You, you give me the opportunity to get you out of there with compensation. That is what you do. What you don't do is ignore it. You have to do something about workplace harassment. You owe it to yourself. And by the way, if there's someone that's harassing you, they may be harassing others. And by dealing with that, you're hopefully helping your colleagues as well. So harassment is a real issue. It's a big issue. Company has to protect you from harassment, has to make it go away if there's a colleague that's mistreating you. And if they don't, there's legal ramifications and consequences. Reach out to me if you're ever in that situation.
0: Talking about situations you must do something about, get a hold of Lior and move forward with it. Next one is your employer says that you weren't the right fit
1: for the job. And that's fine, but then they fire you for cause. (laughs) You have to do something about it. And uh, cause is not something that the company gets to decide when it exists. It's not up to the company. The law decides that. Okay? The law determines that. So you may not be the person that the company wanted. Maybe that's the case. But that does not mean you can be let go for cause. Not even close. Cause means that you've done something bad, something awful, something so terrible that it's just not possible to employ you anymore. In most cases, when you're let go for cause, that's not even going to be close. So you do something about it. You reach out to me. You go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca if you want. We'll talk about that more in a couple minutes to find out more about your rights. And if there is cause, again, spoiler alert, there's almost never going to be cause unless, again, you did something awful. So you have to start by assuming just because you're the the wrong fit, assume that that's not cause, reach out to me. You may have significant entitlements, even if you were there for a short period of time, even if in fact the job you were doing is not the best job or not what the company wanted. The law doesn't reduce your severance because you did something wrong or you weren't the right fit. Either you get 100% or if you did something awful, you don't get anything, but there's nothing in between there. So you do something about it, you reach out to me, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, stand up for your rights.
0: Here's another situation where you got to reach out and do something about it. You're laid off after a, uh, you know undergoing a major surgery, despite the boss promising full-time work
1: when you returned. Sure, absolutely. And, and most employers, when you go off, they'll say the right thing, and they'll say, yes, yes, of course, we'll, we'll wait for you patiently, and hopefully you'll come back. But if you're let go in the meantime, unless there's a darn good reason... It will be illegal. It will be a human rights violation. Now, if the department shut down and you just so happen to be off on a medical leave, fine. You're still owed severance, of course, but it may not be a human rights violation. But if you're let go because the company is kind of tired of waiting for you or they've been gone, or you've, they think you've been gone too long, or maybe they don't necessarily believe that you're as sick as you say and they let you go, no, no, no. They cannot do that. That's a human rights violation. So, first thing I want you to do is make sure that the company has updated medical information that they have something from a doctor confirming that you can't work confirming maybe when you'll be evaluated again maybe to give a bit of a of a prognosis in terms of when they can expect you back and despite this if you are still let go and and hopefully means you won't be Lego, But if you are, you got to reach out to me. You absolutely have to reach out to me. One of the most basic things that an, an employer has to do is not let someone go because they're off on a disability. That's a, a human rights violation. If there ever was one, it could be easily a wrongful dismissal. Depending on the situation, it could be breach of the Employment Standards Act. So don't let that happen to you. Stand up for your right, reach out to me and, and uh, let me help.
0: I'm going to slide in this last one before we break. Another thing you must do and must reach out for is that uh, you're staring at a severance letter, and your employee tells you that it made you, oh, it's a great offer. So, you, you know, you better accept it Friday at 5 because that's as good as it's going to get. Listen,
1: I worked really hard to get you the severance offer. I had to, uh, you know, beat up some people over at the head <laughs> office. and uh, so But you have to accept it by Friday. Otherwise, I, I you know, I won't be able to pay that to you. This is a great offer oh, wow, the they, great offer, I don't want to lose this, so let me accept this by Friday. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. The chances are, Gus, I, I would almost guarantee it, that this supposedly great offer is nonsense. It's pennies on the dollars. It's, it could be $100,000 less or more than what you're actually owed. The company doesn't get to make that decision, and your legal rights don't expire Friday. So you grab your smartphone, you grab your tablet, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, severancepaycalculator.com if you prefer you call me, you do something about it most of the time when you believe that the company gave you a good offer you'll find out when it's too late after you've signed that you can't do anything about it so no, you have to do something about that severance letter which is something other than just accepting it you cannot accept it
0: short break and we'll get right back into it all about dependent contractors and we like to touch this topic too because a lot of people might be and not even realize it so we'll uh, we'll get to that in the pocket employment lawyer as well it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca it's the employment law show on global news radio the employment law show that is what you are listening to you want to reach out get a hold of leora keep this number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email and uh this is brand new as well. Well, recently new. You've been uh, you've been crafting this and putting the sucker together for a couple of years and now it's it's out there and ready to go. It's got a ton of information really useful. You thought the severance pay calculator was good on its own as a standalone program. This one is uh, like 2.0 times 10. <laughs> Pocket employment lawyer. Tell me about it. It,
1: it takes it to, to a whole new level because yeah. severancepaycalculator.com, as the name suggests, it, it helps you determine what you're owed, how much severance you are owed if you lost your job. But you may have other questions. You want to know if you've been constructively dismissed. You want to know if there's just cause to let you go. You want to know if you're an employee or an independent contractor. Maybe if, there's a, if you've, uh, your human rights have been violated. Well, severancepaycalculator.com can't do that, but guess what? PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca can and does and does it really really well. It did take uh, a long time to build this. This is an idea that I had a few years ago, and I finally been able to create something that I'm happy with that I'm comfortable with. So you go to PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca and you pick the topic that that applies to you, whether it's constructive dismissal or in, in independent contractors or cause. There's a there's a, about six uh, topics to choose from, and you answer some questions, and that's it. You. You get your answer right there from the in-pocket employment lawyer about your situation, whether you have a right, whether you're, you're, you're owed something and, and what to do about it. It's easy. It's free. It's anonymous. You don't have to put in your name or the company's name. It's there for your information. So if you're sitting there wondering, hey, I, I wonder if this is a constructive dismissal don't wonder. Go right now to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Check it out for yourself. Tell others about it. Maybe you're, you're talking to a colleague and they said, you know, I, I wonder if uh, I, I, I'm really an employee. I'm not so sure. Maybe I'm an employee or not an independent contractor. Well, they don't need to wonder. Just tell them to go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It works great. And if you want to, you can contact me directly from that tool. It's, uh, it's something that everyone should have in their back pocket.
0: Well, uh, we'll move on to our next one. That is all about dependent contractors. We know what employees are. We know what independent contractors. We've done shows on that, but there is a third category, yes?
1: There absolutely is a third category, and, and, you know, oftentimes – we we know that individuals are misclassified. They're called employee. Oh, sorry. They're called independent contractors when they are really employees. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. But there's a third category. There's a category that falls in between an employee and an independent contractor. It's what we call a dependent contractor and that's someone that's not quite an employee and it's not quite an independent contractor but the good news is that if you are a dependent contractors uh, a dependent contractor you may have significant entitlements if that position comes to an end so we want to talk a bit about that and how do we know if we are a dependent contractor and what to do if in fact we are one
0: all right we'll start off uh, just to explain Basically, the difference between an employee and an independent contractor and how we get to this, how we arrive at this one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good place to start. So an employee, uh, we know what it is, someone that has a job, goes to work for a company, does the, what the company says based on the agreement with the employer and then gets paid for doing that job. They come back the next day, they do it again. Well, and an independent contractor on the other side of the spectrum is someone that's in business for himself or herself, someone that runs a business and provides services to someone else or, or usually to many cl- clients or customers, your electricians, your uh, plumbers. It uh, doesn't have to be an electrician or a plumber. Those are just kind of classic examples. If you're calling an electrician to your house because you have an electrical problem, uh, you know, maybe your furnace is not working or something like that, then in that situation, that person is not there as your employee. They're in business to fix furnaces or fix your electrical prom and when they're done with you, uh they, they move on to their next client and that's what they do. So those are the extremes. Most people are misclassified as independent contractors or their employees. But guess what? In between those, John, that's where we'll find our friends, the dependent contractors. Okay, dependent contractor, break it down. What is it? So a dependent contractor is someone that's not an employee, not quite an employee, because they're more independent, they have customers, but, but they're financially dependent on one company. What that means is they get most of their business from one company. So I may be in business for myself, and I may have six customers, but there's one customer where I get 80% of my business from. So holy cow, if they ever decide to end a relationship with me, that's going to be a huge problem for me. I'm going to lose a lot of money because I get 80% of my business. So in that situation, I'm considered to be a dependent contractor with respect to that company. And that means if I'm ever let go, I have entitlements, John.
0: That's uh, that's a pretty good thing to know if you're, if you're under that category. I mean, you don't want to be left with nothing. So in terms of legal rights, uh, why does it matter if you're a dependent contractor?
1: Because uh, we know that an employee gets severance. Of course, if you're an employee and you lost your job, you get severance. We also know that an independent contractor... If that person is let go, there's no severance. If you decide not to use your plumber anymore and use a different plumber, that first plumber can't say you owe me severance. So independent contractors don't get severance. But here's the the nice thing for dependent contractors. They get severance. So if you're not an, an employee, you're a dependent contractor, you get most of your business from one client or one customer. If that customer decides to let you go, they owe you severance pretty much like you are an employee. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out that as well or pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So this is a situation where someone is not an employee and still have the same or pretty much the same termination entitlements as an employee. So for many people, that could be huge. That can mean a lot of money, a lot of entitlements. That's why it's important to determine if you really are a dependent contractor.
0: Lots more of this discussion coming up. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break and get to it. And the emails, of course, as I promised, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca, the number one eight five five. 821-5900, Employment Law Show, on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show, to reach out, get a hold of the OR, do it, uh, keep the number with you. It's 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That is the email address we'll go to here in, uh, in a few minutes as we continue our discussion about dependent contractors, that third category. So let's assume someone's not an employee. How does that person know if he's an independent or dependent contractor?
1: So you, you look for that financial dependency. Okay, that's really the key here. You look at your customers, the the people that you provide services for. Maybe it's sales services that you provide. Maybe it's IT services. Maybe it's something else. And you you think, is there a customer here that's much much bigger than everyone else? Is there one customer here that if I lose, I'm really in in in, in a, a lot of trouble? And if there is, if there's one that you're dependent on where you spend most of your time with or you do most of your work with or you get most of your compensation from, then your chances are that you're a dependent contractor of that company. You may still be an independent contractor with respect to the other companies that you do work for, but with respect to that one company, that one big company, customer or client that you have, you're a dependent contractor. Now, that doesn't mean that you, they, they owe you things like overtime or vacation pay, right. et cetera, because you're not an employee. It really only comes down to it at the time of termination. If that one big customer says, you know what, John, I'm not going to work with you anymore. Uh, loved working with you, but I'm going to go a different direction. Fair enough. But now they're going to have to pay you severance like you were an employee, as if you were an employee, So take a look at your customers and understand which one is or do you have one that's a big uh, and unusual customer. If all your customers are kind of, you know, you have 30 customers and they're all kind of about equal, then you're probably not a dependent contractor. You're an independent contractor. Look for that one big customer that gives you the majority of your income and chances are you're a dependent contractor.
0: You say majority, is there a threshold? uh, 30%, 60%, 80%? When does it, uh, you know, what's the balance?
1: You know, I would say if we're looking at 50% or more, if you get 50% or more from one particular customer or client, chances are you're a dependent contractor. Now, in some situations, it can even be somewhat less than that, but that's a good threshold. If you get half your income or more, and by the way, I've seen dependent contractors that get 90% of their income from a particular client or customer, well, then that's clearly. Uh, a dependent contractor situation, but usually if we're at half or more, uh, we're in dependent contractor territory, and again, that matters, matters in a big way, because if they let you go, then severance is what's owed to you, and it could be months and months and months of pay that they have to pay you.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's the obvious next question. If you are let go from a dependent contractor, how much the severance is owed? Is it the same as being an employee?
1: So for the purposes of our discussion, it's the same. There could be small, tiny differences, but they're really, really tiny. So yes, the, the factors that would go into assessing our age, position, and length of employment. What we're trying to figure out is how long should it take you to replace this this job that you've lost, this customer that you've lost. So in in most situations, you can go to severancepaycalculator.com or pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to find out how much you're owed. We look at those factors and, and, and that's what you get. So working for a short period of time doesn't doesn't mean you don't get a lot of severance you could get a lot of severance you could get as much as 2 years pay in some situation so again if you work there for for a long period of time so it's pretty much on the same as an employee would get
0: i bet you not only the people listening that now realize our dependent contractors would be shocked i bet you there's a lot of uh, dependent contractors that have clients who, if this ever happened, they they would never see this coming out of the blue that they owe this person severance just because they use them.
1: Oh, and I'll say this, John. If, if you're wondering right now, you're definitely either an employer or a dependent contractor, okay? Yeah. People that are true independent contractors don't wonder. They know they're an independent contractor. Like I said, the, the, the plumber doesn't hear me on the radio and, and wonders, hey, I wonder if I'm a dependent contractor. They know that they're not because they have A hundred customers, they go to them when they need to, and they move on to the next one, and that's their job uh, in most cases. So if you're wondering, oh, I wonder if I have certain rights, just by doing that, it tells me that there's something going on. You're either an employee that's been misclassified as an independent contractor, very, very, very common, or potentially you're a dependent contractor. Either way, that means if you lose your job, you're owed severance
0: that company say it does happen and that company who's responsible for as you say 50 60% of your income you go to them and they they're they, they get enlightened by you that they owe this person severance <laughs> that must hit them like a bucket of water they would never think so
1: they would never think so and chances are I, I this i would guarantee and i would put this in writing that if you are truly a dependent contractor and the company decides to end the relationship with you they'll not they, they won't offer you severance they for won't sure. even think they won't even oh. cross their mind that they may owe you anything they may be nice and say hey, we'll give you a couple weeks notice uh no problem because we're nice people not understanding that they could owe you 18 months pay oh my God. so so that's common but that's you know where i come in and that's where I, I inform them and educate them and they'll get their own legal advice which will tell them yeah yeah Leo is right you do owe this person 18 months pay and because of that in most cases these things are not that difficult to resolve they could be right. very straightforward so If you're not sure what you are, if you should be getting something, you know what to do. You call, you email, and I'll help.
0: Good way to wrap up that topic. We're going to move on to emails, as we always do at this point of the show. You want to send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca. If not, the phone call any time when we're not on air, 1-855-821-5900. The Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Employment Law Show, right back at it, emails this portion of the show. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the phone number anytime, by the way, to get a hold of Lior, member of his team. Do so, 1-855-821-5900. If you have not used it yet, give it a shot. See what it can do for you. If only for interest's sake, it's good to know. That is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of useful stuff to be used on that uh, particular site. So check it out again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Email. Richard, you're up next, pal. He says, uh, I'm about to leave my current job to take a position with a different company. This was a very difficult decision for me because I've been with the company for 10 years. What do I need to watch out for when I sign my new employment agreement?
1: Very, very smart thing to be asking. Very smart thing to be asking, especially when you leave a secure job. So the first thing I'll, I'll say is if you're leaving a secure job, you don't want to be put on probation. Okay, why take a secure job to start a new job where they put you on probation, you can lose your job, get paid nothing, bad, bad idea. So if you're taking a risk by leaving a company, the, the company, the new company should, should have some sort of risk as well. They should take a risk by essentially not putting you on probation. So right off the bat, you want to make sure that there's nothing there that's silly, that that's put, puts you on probation. The other thing, the other big thing you want to look uh, out for is about termination. You want to make sure you're not leaving a secure job just to agree to a job where they can let you go with minimal severance. You don't want to give up those termination rights. Uh, it, it's a huge thing because what happens if you take this job a month later they let you go? Because you sign an agreement that limits your entitlements, you get essentially nothing. Whereas with the other company, you spent all these years, you could have gotten a year's pay. Very bad situation. You also wanna see is there anything there that allows the company to change your job duties? If you've negotiated certain responsibilities or certain compensation, those should be set in stone. The company should not be allowed to change those terms. Uh, they shouldn't be allowed to agree with you on one hand with, to something, but also to carve out something that says, and we can change it anytime we want at our discretion. By the way, going back to termination, what you may want to do, because, in fact, you've, you're leaving a secure job, is negotiate some uh, uh, some guaranteed severance. So maybe negotiate something that says if you are let go, you'll get a minimum of 12 months pay. That's not unfair if you're leaving a secure job, Yeah. okay? So think about security. Don't put yourself in a bigger risk than you have to be. And if you're not sure what the agreement says and whether you should be concerned about it, call me, let me look at it, and I'll discuss it with you.
0: Is that also something, that they've come to you and they're luring you away, if they've induced you to this job, should you look out for some sort of you know, three-month probation and say, no, 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 you're not probating me? I've mean, you, you came to me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, keep in mind, if you're recruited away or induced to leave a job and then they let you go, the new company, you may be owed enhanced severance. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to risk that by giving away termination entitlements. You, you don't want to risk that by agreeing to be on probation. As careful as you always have to be with an employment agreement, and make no mistake about it, you should always be careful with an employment agreement. You have to be that much more careful if you're going to leave a secure job to join another company.
0: Marianne, uh, email is up next. Says the dentist I work for is about to retire and close his practice. I asked about severance and he had no idea what I was talking about. I've worked for him as a hygienist for 10 years. Am I owed anything?
1: Uh, in fact, if she told us that he knew exactly what she's talking about, I, I would have been shocked. shocked. I would have been surprised. <laughs> sure. it, it doesn't happen, unfortunately, with doctors, whether it's dentists or uh, family doctors or chiropractors. Oftentimes, they don't necessarily appreciate their own obligations, certainly when it comes to severance. So, yes, of course you are owed severance. doesn't matter if you're working for a small clinic with one or two employees. You are owed that. And after all these years, you could easily be owed a, a year's pay or more. So what do you right. do? Well, you you, you work till your last day, uh, if and when the, the, the the shop closes. If you leave before, you're considered to have resigned. And once your last day comes, I get involved, I could probably do that even before your last day, and negotiate proper severance for you. The key here is to understand that just because you're working for a good person, a doctor, someone that's honest and reputable doesn't mean that they appreciate what they owe you. Chances are that they don't. Uh, chances are that they don't realize that they owe you compensation, and when they do, when we educate and inform, inform them, they'll pay it, and you'll get the compensation that you're owed and move on.
0: Let's slide Jimmy's email in there with the uh, the remaining time. Again, it is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Jimmy says, I just received notice that our office, the office will be shutting down in 12 months, a year from now. I want to leave and take another job. Can I get severance?
1: Yes, you 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 can, but the problem is that if you leave before that date, you may not be owed anything. So you don't want to do that. Now, two things you could do is number 1, you wait till the end, you may be owed severance at the end of that that, that period of time. You could be owed significant severance, but the other thing you can do is negotiate with your employer right now. And you know, offer them a deal, offer them a bit of a bargain. Employer, tell you what, if you let me go now instead of uh, in 12 months, I'll agree to accept six months pay ten months pay something else give them that incentive so that's a good way to try to get your severance right now if the company doesn't do that if they don't want you to to, to leave now if they're content to keep you working then no you can't uh just walk away and not get your severance but you want to start off by calling me because you may be owed significant compensation at the end of that period and if if you were going to walk away at least you should know what you're leaving when the company gives you notice right. if you leave before you give up those rights
0: Plus, as you've said on past shows, during that 12 months that you're supposed to work, if you can't get out of it, they can't change your job, can they? It's got to be
1: status quo. That's right. If you are uh-huh. been given notice of termination, they can't change your job. They can't make you do other work or reduce your pay or hours of work. Status quo, your job is your job. And just like a company can't change your job in the usual situation, they also can't change it when they've given you notice of termination.
0: We're going to uh, wrap it there for the day. Appreciate all your input through emails and everything else you want to reach out. Now that we're done, the phone call is a simple way, one 821 5900 That email address that we use is this, help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of information and contact at the bottom of that as well. And phone call, again, one Till 821 5900 next time, Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.